introducing so that they don't need any introduction for those of us who are here, but uh, for those who might be listening online, uh, I'm gonna, it's my privilege to introduce Born and Angela with the Matthew 712 project. Uh, they recently spent a month over in Zambia, about, about a month, right? Four weeks? Yeah, four weeks over in Zambia uh, with, their, with their nonprofit, and they're here this morning to give a report and to, to let us know what God is doing in Zambia and how, the, how God is using Matthew 712. So without... For their ado, Born in Angela. Uh, it's a, it's always a, it's always a pleasure to share with you or to. Uh, to fellowship with uh, with you and everyone else. Uh, before uh, before we get into our uh, our sharing, let's go to the Father. Our Father God in heaven, we thank you and we just praise you because of who you are. Father, we thank you for for your work that you do tirelessly, that you have loved us so much, Father. May you be with Angela and I as we share this morning, Father. May you use us. May you help us, Father, to get your word to share. Thank you again, Father, for the opportunity that you have given to us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, <clears throat> you know, last week, uh, last week was the fair, and uh, uh, Thursday, I was working at the Frontier Power booth. So, we were helping, uh, you know, I was helping tear out the church booth, you know, I was helping Jim and Carol, and then later on, Josh showed up, okay, he, and... Uh, uh, he, was, uh, he was such a great help to us. He really was. You know, because we couldn't have done it without his, uh, his tools, you know. We had to wait for his drill and all that. So we loaded everything in Jim's truck, and uh, they left. And I'm going, hmm, Jim and Carol say bye to me. But, uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking nothing of it. And later on, it hit me that, huh, I wonder why Josh is so stuck up that he won't even say bye to me. <laughs> you know? Here, here, I thought we were, we were good friends, you know. But on, on, on that note, you know, I, I, I want us to turn to the book of uh, Exodus. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter, th uh, chapter 3. Uh, Exodus, chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 7. And it, and it reads, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, 
and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the, out of the hand of the Egyptians and to, to bring them up from the land uh, to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of uh, the Canaanites and uh, the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may, bring, you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Uh, I say that and I, I, don't, I don't know how long you guys are prepared to be here. I'm prepared to be here all day, all night. You know, I don't have a problem with that. There's, uh, down, the road, down the road there's Pizza Hut, you know. They deliver, last time I checked. Uh, but, you know, as we were preparing, as we were preparing this week, looking at the, what we were going to share, and that, that passage came to me. You know, I, I started thinking, you know, it, it says, God heard his children's what? Cry. You know, I, and when he heard their cries, what did he do? See, when, when as a parent, when as a parent, when you hear your child crying, what do you do? What is the thing that you do? Amy, what do you do when Jillian is crying? You know, she, she tries, she listens to him. You know, wh what do you do? When someone is crying for help, what do you do? You know, I've heard uh, a saying a long, long time ago. It says, it's wrong for someone to do nothing when they have the ability to do something. You know, as I was reading this, as I was reading this passage, you know, I'm reminded again, when God heard his children do what? Cry. He did something, didn't he? Because he was able to. Uh, you're, you're saying that's just one passage. Okay, let's, let's follow the history of the children of Israel. Let's go to, they are taken in captivity. Time after time after time, Pastor Chris has been going through that, that cyclic life of the Israelites, the children of Israel. You know, they are taken in bondage. What do they do when they are in bondage? After so long, they start crying out to, to their father. And their father did what? His unfailing love, he, he delivered them. He answered them. You know, I want you, as we go through this presentation, I want you to think about that. You know, there are people that are crying for help. There are people out there 
that need your help. What do we do? We have a choice. We can either, you know, Derek said something, leave them be alone. You can, you know. So that is where we are. Okay. Is my mic on, Josh? Yes. So now you all think I multitask fairly well. I have the clicker in one hand, the mic in the other, and I'm supposed to think about what I want to say. So we'll see if I can do that. You going to do it? Sure. All right. Okay, if I mess it up, that's all right. <laughs> so one of the things we want to do, and you can go ahead and go, um, is share a little bit of background information. So if you want to. Okay, uh, most of you, pretty much everybody knows that's the country I am from. I'm from Zambia, that's where I grew up, and that's where my heart is. Uh, you know, I love, I love being here. So Zambia is divided into nine provinces, nine, nine or ten provinces. They've yeah. changed it, that's uh, why he's not. There's, uh, there's uh, that, that one, the one up top there, that's a new province. You know, they just added that, so that makes it 10, I think, you know. So uh, the area that we are concentrating, most of this, as you can see, the, 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 this section of Zambia has a lot of rivers. You know, all those blue lines that you see, they are rivers. And then you shift to this side, there's hardly any. So this is the, this is the Livingston area. You know, this is, uh, this is the Livingston area, which is, uh, which is, uh, which is uh, southern province. That's part of southern province there. Okay, you can go to the next. <laughs> I just wanted to see if he would get up and show me how to do that. <laughs> no, technology and I don't get along well. So this, is, this, this whole area, starting from here, That's all southern province. You know, that's the, that's the area that we are concentrating uh, our, our work right now. There are two, two districts here. If you go and, to the next and a district, a district is a... Uh, there you go. Oh, there we go. So <laughs> this, is, this is the whole southern province here. So it has, uh, it's divided in these districts here. There's uh, 15 districts. And then it gives the population on there. So these, this, this district here, the Kalamo district, and this, this district here, the Zimba district, those, are the, those, those districts are really uh, challenged when it comes to water. So as you can see, in southern province, just over um, 2 million people. It covers about roughly 33,000 square miles. In that whole area, with that number of people, there are only approximately 7,000 wells, or over there they call those boreholes. Um, some of those, th those would be wells with like a hand pump, or they're starting to do some pumped water systems now, um, like at some of the schools where they will connect a submersible pump into the well that's put in and pipe water in. Still not as much as, uh, not to the level that we enjoy in our homes here in the States. 
but there there has been a move for that. We saw more of that even from this uh, from where we were there last year to this year. Um, the other key thing I wanted. We, we were able to meet with the Provincial Health and Sanitation Officer for all of Southern Province, and he shared um, some of these statistics with us from um, a 2022 presentation that they had done. One of the other key things that really stood out to me um, was that there are 1,259 primary schools. Only 943 of them have wells and hand pumps at them. So you're talking schools that may have over 700 students that come to that school on a day and there's not a well. And so those children go to a river to get their water or they might go to a hand dug well, which really is any just from a few feet deep to four or five feet deep. Um, I just thought that was a very profound statistic to think about as well. Um, in the southern province as well, the other thing, a couple of the challenges that, that we have experienced and that the government talks about in that area, um, of course, is the lack of infrastructure. We've been married almost 30 years, and every trip we go, I've yet to see the roads on the way to the farm tra where they're easy to travel. Something that should take 15 to 20 minute drive takes over an hour because the roads are so bad. Um, the government also, in, their, in that report we were able to, to view, talked about the infrastructure and the lack of transportation and the ability. Uh, and then um, the other key thing from that report that, that I've taken away so far is that they have investments where the government is, especially the current administration, is really working to try to invest in those areas, but it's not enough because there's just so much need. Okay, and then uh, this slide here just shows, uh, you know, the southern province number of uh, wells which we touched on, you know, uh, which uh, each village, uh, you know, uh, each village visited, you know, shows this Okay, the districts. It shows the 15, the districts. 15 districts here. That's what and you see. In the, in the blue, those are um, functional wells. And then in the red, those are non functional. So the district that we are looking at, we are looking at Kalomo district here. Uh, there's about uh, uh, almost 500, 500 functional. In, in the, a district with a population of over 2 million? Well, no, the 2 million is the entire the province. The entire province, you know. And then uh, uh, the oh, Zimba. About 150 that are not functional in that particular district. Yeah, and then we have the Zimba district here, which is about... Uh, 300. About 300 functional, functioning wells, you know. And uh, for such a population, that's uh, that's why that's why we are. And this shows this this whole thing. This whole chart shows all the district, the districts in Southern Province, you know, which is truly hard hard hit with uh, with the challenges. The health and sanitation officer said one of the biggest challenges for Southern Province is water, and and having access to water, as you'll see with 
with the next slide, the next slides. And as I was, as, as I was thinking, you know, uh, in, uh, in the book of Numbers, you know, uh, God drilled the first, ball, the first well in the world. You know, you know that? When Moses, in the, when they were traveling, Moses, you know, God commanded Moses to do what on the rock? He drilled and water came out. Sorry. Rabbit trail. So the cry for clean water was resounding from village to village. Um, everywhere we went, when we would ask them about their challenges, the first thing in these villages in southern province was we need clean water. And this is, you know, it's a cry for clean water. Uh, let, let, me, let me just kind of push that slide aside from experience. You know, it's the life living it every day and every night. Every morning you get up, you know exactly what you have to do as a, as, as a young man, as a young girl. First thing you have to do is, uh, by the way, these people are sitting in a river bed. That's this, a dry This is Kalika Lika Village in yeah. uh, Zimba District. Every, every morning before you go to school, you have to walk about five kilometers one way, which is three point something miles, give or take. You have to walk before you do what, and, and that's the minimum distance that you, you walk. Most of, most of those kids walk eight to 10 kilometers, one way to go get water before they go to school. And by the time they get back and then get ready for school, you know, you're already tired by the time you go to school. How do you learn? How productive, how productive are you? And that, that's the challenge. That's hence the cry for what? For clean water. You know, they walk distances to get dirty water. No clean water to go get dirty water. Yeah. So this is the cry, resounding cry from village to village that we visited. That was the resounding message. Yeah. Go ahead. Anything else? No. The, the next slides will. So these, were, these are quotes from some of the people that, let me see, we went to five, I think five villages. Um, so, one of the things was people are willing to garden, but they can't because they don't have water. And that um, was from a gentleman in the village of Mugwagwa. Um, and Simundivwe, someone said, there's nowhere to wash our hands after we use the toilet. And can you imagine? People, people are willing to do things but they don't have the resources to, to do that. You know, they want, they want to have hygiene, but how do you do it? You can go to the next. Um, that first picture where he had up there with the resounding cry for help for clean water, um, if you go back to that quote, so 
these women didn't know we were coming. We were going to, to visit Kalikalika Village, um, but the gentleman that was with us wanted to show me where they actually got water and where he had found some women a few days, uh, a week maybe before we had gotten there getting water. And so he, he was taking us to this dry riverbed. And so we found these women, um, probably a group, I didn't count them, but probably 20, probably at least 20 women yeah. and one young girl. I think she was five. We've got a picture of her here a little bit later. Um, they were sitting in the middle of this dry riverbed. Um, all of them, there was one big hole that they had dug down into the sand and they're scooping water out of it. Surrounded by cow dung, um, was quite moving. When they saw us get there, they were so excited though because they wanted to show us what their lives were like. So they, all, they took a break from the several hours that they spend gathering water and shared some of their stories with us. One of the ladies, um, Sejina, her age, she is 63 years old. She says, I can't carry the heavy buckets anymore. I can only carry from two to five liters at a time. Hannah, how old are you? Well, we had two I Hannahs. I have two Hannahs. Okay. Uh, Hannah is 13. Emma, how old are you? I'm 10. 10. Julian, how old are you? Seven. Harper's eight. I don't Harper. know what age you're looking for. Harper, you're seven? Eight. Eight, okay. Julian, would you get up and join Harper over there? <laughs> Come on over here. Okay, I want you guys to carry this and bring it up front for me. Is it heavy for you? Okay, you can set it down. Thank you. Okay, that is a, you can come, Julian. That's a five pound bucket, five gallon five bucket. Gallon bucket. Five gallon bucket, okay? So go ahead. Um. And that's what, that size bucket is what you tend to find being carried by the women and the girls back to the villages from the river. Or if, if they're blessed to have a hand pump and have access to clean water, the buckets are still how they get it back to their villages. Um, Irene at this same village at Kalikalika said the cattle, the dogs, the pigs, oh, sorry, I'll cry, but anyway, all drink the same water every animal, and then we the people. Because in this area, there aren't a lot of rivers, and like I said, they were sitting in a dry riverbed. That riverbed has water in it during rainy season, so they should start hopefully getting water by mid-November. And then usually it starts running dry, it just depends, but you have got thousands of people that get water from this particular river. So when, when the river dries, that means people become responsible to fetch water for their cattle, for their pigs, for their chickens, you know. So hence this lady here, they comment that age 65, she still walks miles and miles, you know, trying to get 
water. Some of them say, you know, we can't carry the heavy buckets, but we can come help draw the water, and then someone else will help carry the buckets back. On occasion, they did have one, for all those people that were there, they had one ox cart um, at, that, uh, at that particular day um, to put buckets in, and they were filling some of those, like, was it 50 gallon barrels? Yeah. They had a couple of those. So having said that, you know, uh, I had uh, Julian and uh, Harper carry that five gallon bucket. Uh, having said that, I would like to request Pastor Chris to bring me that bucket. Uh, that is a five-year-old girl was filling the bucket, a five-gallon bucket with water. And that five-year-old was to carry that. You can set it there. Now, Chris, I want you to tell me how heavy was that? That was heavy. That is 40 pounds. I was going to guess 50. Five-year-old five girl carrying that on their head. You know, not, not for me, not, not for inches, not for yards, but for miles on our head. Now tell me, how beautiful is that? So this is another picture from Kalika Lika. Same riverbed. You can see some of the women still sitting here in the corner. What we were trying to get um, back there, you have another woman who's they've dug another hole, but they're washing their clothes. We want to be clean. We want clean clothes. Taking water back to our homes to wash ourselves and our clothing is a struggle. So we do it here at the river. That's where they take their baths. And that's the river that doesn't have any water right now. So it only comes from digging down into the sand until they have some water that comes in. Now, can you imagine a husband and wife that saw the water they have to take a bath in a five-gallon bucket? So there's another bucket in the back by the table, and it has 10 bottles of water in it. It was a, a, a separate village that... Um, from Miss, our Miss Hannah, would you grab that bucket from me? Yes, please. Um, that bucket in particular has bottled of water to represent five liters. And there was a lady who shared, she and her husband share five liters of water. That's the bucket they use for two people to take a bath. With that, with five liters of water, and that's all the water that they have, just because of how scarce it is, and how far they have to get it. Some of these vill these are the villages that are way out. This village actually took us four hours by vehicle to get to, because the roads are so bad. They call them roads. I call them paths or so, trails. So on the on the lighter note, you know, I, I kind of love to this. Uh, the, driving these roads, you know, uh, because every time I would hit a bump, she would <laughs> say, oh my goodness. Every time I hit a bump, okay, and, and uh, when I mean hit a bump, every, every two inches I'm hitting a bump. So you know what I heard? 
Oh my goodness, born. <laughs> so you know what I, and uh, every time she would say that, she would say, oh my goodness, and I'd say, it's coming after me. <laughs> you know, every time she said that, I say, it's coming after me. And then she said, when, then you, you just stop running, sorry. <laughs> you know, but see, there's that song, his goodness is always coming after me. God's goodness. See, we have God's goodness. Yeah. He says roads and bumps. He took me through the middle of a corn, well, not the middle, the edge of a cornfield, whatever the case. They were hills. <laughs> there was not a road there. So, you can go to slide, next slide. So this is, uh, this is Sedombe village. This is the, uh, where she's talking about me. I'm going through the cornfield to get corn, to this the village. Field because there was no road, so, you know, somehow we had to get there, so I had to make one. So this is, uh, uh, this is, they call this uh, uh, Sedombe Dan, and then I'm on here. No, it has a different name, but, it, but it's at Sedombe It's at Sedombe, but that's, that's where they get their water from there. And uh, they try to go further inside. We saw, I saw this at two different locations. Um, those of you that saw our Facebook post, that was this is where she collects water for her family. You see these women, they wade in um, maybe about four feet or so from the edge, hoping that the water four feet in is a little cleaner than the water on the edge. But then while we were still there, you know, before, you know, the cattle, a whole herd of cattle just yeah, when we were when we were starting to take some of these the pictures, there was a herd of cattle that was coming in. If you, um, we'll have some slides showing the rest of our pictures because we only put so many on here. If you want to look at some of those before you leave today, um, there are pictures of those cows coming in. You can see that they're right where we were, and one of them stopped very close to where the rock that furthest rock is there. But this this is this is not like free flowing water. This is a dam. So a dam, let me, let me kind of define that. It's a little that. bit different than, than here. You know, it's they get this, uh, like a caterpillar, they build like a mound, which, which is true, truthfully, it's a pond, but a large pond. You know, that's, that's all this is. You know, they are begging us if we can't, if we can't put a well, would you please build us one of these? so that we can get water to drink. Yeah, some of the headmen came together and met with our young man on the ground there in May and told him, if you cannot put in a hand pump for us, can you put a dam in? Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling them, I'm, I'm telling them, I said, if I do that, then I'm still sentencing you to death. Because is that clean water? But they say that at least we'll have something. We, at least we won't have to walk that far. In this particular village, the women told me that they walk um, anywhere from two to three times a day from their villages. And so you're looking at several kilometers because he drove me 
they all walked um, to show us where they get water. And they told me that they try to get there before the animals do. Um, they also told me that their children ages six and seven help collect that water in the mornings before school and then in the evening. Um, I asked them about diseases. And so, again, resounding from all the villages we visited, the main, they, they all complained about stomach issues and diarrhea-type diseases as very, as very common. So then my next question was, well, how far is it to the nearest clinic? And um, I'm told that it's about four point, well, I converted it from kilometers, but 4.4 miles to walk if they don't have an ox cart to the nearest clinic. And I said, well, when you get to that clinic, can you get medicine to help with the diarrhea and the other, the other issues that you guys have? And the answer, again, at all villages, sometimes. They don't always have medicine. And so then I'm like, well, what do you do? And they're like, we just go home and we suffer through it. Um, this particular village, I don't know if Warren will remember, um, this one has a health post. But there's only a person at that health post basically once a month at this time. So. And as you see this, you know, this tells the story of the need. You know, it's, it's hard to comprehend unless you have seen it. You know, I have not just seen it. She has seen it. I have lived it. Statistics say that in Zambia, children ages 0 to 10, 3 out of 10 children die of waterborne diseases. 3 out of 10. Yeah, I think my, my last mathematical calculation said that was 30%. 30%. They die because. So this particular village is one. Those of you that have been praying for us and praying for the Rotary Grant that we're working to try to get, this is one of the villages that's targeted for that grant. So hopefully next summer, our time, um, we'll be able to put in a well in this particular village. And this is, a, this is Mugwagwa village, which has absolutely not a river anywhere close. Nothing anywhere close. You know, uh, this here, where you see here. To my knowledge, they don't have a dam either. That's where they get their drinking water. It's what we call, in Zambia, we call a hand dug well. Yeah. So these particular children, um, again, we had met with the lead, a couple of the village leaders, and they wanted to show us where they get water so we could get a picture. And um, no idea these children were going to actually be there collecting water that day. So, or at that time, even. The oldest 
is eight years old of these kids. Eight years old. And they each have a five-gallon uh, bucket of water. Sometimes there, sometimes there'll be like the smaller three-gallon buckets, but that would still be um, what, eight pounds. What was it? Eight pounds per gallon, roughly. Yeah. So still about twenty-five pounds for a young child to to carry, even if it's a three-gallon bucket. So this particular village as well shared that they can't have gardens because they don't have water and they don't get enough water to actually have a garden. Now, they'll have their fields during um, rainy, season. rainy season, and so then they have to hopefully plant enough so that they have some money to try to buy vegetables and things for the rest of the year when they don't have um, the field anymore for their corn or their maize. And, uh, and I think this is, the, this is the village where they were talking about collecting rainwater uh, when it flows from their fields. So they don't have to go as far to get water. Yeah. And I'm thinking fertilizers. I'm thinking what, what, what's in the fertilizer you're using on the field and you're just in whatever else runoff you're collecting. There's, there's a lot of plastics that um, cause some soil degradation there. And there, people will just throw plastics around. And so you've got all that plastic that's kind of gotten in the soil as well. And so I, my mind thinks about all of these chemical type things, but they, they'll tell you that as the rainwaters are running through to lower areas, they will try to collect that. So then they don't have to go they as far to, to get water. They don't have to walk the distance. Yeah. Um, so when there's uh, I want you to think about this when it's raining, when it's raining, when there's water running down your driveway, just go to the end and try to collect that water and try and drink it, or try and cook with it. The, the biggest question that I have been asked is, do they boil it? Some you villages. Got, you, got, uh, you got eight, 10 children. How long is it gonna take you to boil water for them to drink? And you already spend multiple hours a day collecting water. You know, you ask them, do, don't you have money to buy some, at least some chlorine to, you know, what is their average income, monthly income there that they live on? Well, less than an American dollar a day. Yeah. Less than an American dollar a day. That's their livelihood. I know there was one quote at one, at one point that it was less than five American dollars a month. A month. But I don't have that particular statistic, so I know it's supposed to be less than an American dollar a day. So as much as they are willing to do things like that, but they can't afford it, you know? Uh, raising, raising a dollar, okay, raising a dollar for them, it takes them months and months to do that. So th these are the challenges. That's, that's what is happening to their children. That's why they spend time. And then they are expected to go again, to go to school. And then when, it, when they get back from school, they are expected to do what? To go fetch some water again. Yeah. So um, again, in Colombo District, this is called Muyuni Health Post. Um, it, it was a small building. We met under a couple of trees and decent group of people came out to meet with us and they, 
our understanding from what they told us is there's not, it's called that health post, but there's not a health post there yet because in order for it to actually be a health post, as a community, they need to put in water and build the building. And then the government will come in and help them. And so you think about what we were just talking about with income. How are they going to do that? How would they ever afford to put a well there? So these so, same people, go ahead. Um, asking them how far they have to go for water, they told me they could walk seven kilometers to the school and get potentially get clean water. So they're going to walk about four miles, just over four miles to the school. And once they get there, the pump belongs to the school. There are 792 pupils at that school. Those pupils have priority at that well. So they get to draw water first. And then all, that's the only well, so all the surrounding villages, people will come, so then they have to get in a line and line up. So they're like, we can walk four miles and get in line. We might be there for two days and still not get water. And then we have to walk the four miles back home and either go to a hand-dug well, if they have one, or their other option, especially when those run dry, because we're getting to that season right now where they run dry, then they say it's another 4.4 miles to the river and then 4.4 miles back. So they said, we want clean water, but we might not get it. So we'd rather go to the river and come home with water than doing the trip over to the school and back without and then having to do the trip again. So this here, this, this is a fence. You know, it's fenced in. There's a, there's a garden inside, and there's a hand, well, a hand dug well inside. Uh, so, uh, Josh, can you play this video from that side? This is a video, and this breaks my heart every single moment I see it. This lady with her baby on her back, she had to climb in to get some water. And mind you, we were leaving. They had already shown us this. And... As we're leaving, I see this lady and this little girl coming down the road, and I'm like, I told her, I'm like, wait, they've got buckets, they're going to get water, let's film what they're doing. So again, not staged. This actually happened while we were there. Now, I, I want you to think about the replication of that. She climbs up there, she falls on the baby. What happens to the baby? The baby dies. So that's a permanent oh. fence that she's climbing over. Yeah permanent fence and gate. Wanna why? Outside that fence, over here, less than 25 feet away is another shallow hand dug well. That one they say is for the pigs and the cows and, and the, the sheep goats and, the and goats. everything. The one that they've enclosed in this permanent fence that the women now have to climb up and over every time they want to get water is for the humans. Now mind you the water looks the same. If you look at some of the slideshow pictures later, the water looks exactly the same. But the only difference is they don't have to share it with their animals this, that way. This girl is eight years old. Eight years old. There are about 900 people 
that live in this particular area. And this, again, is one of the um, villages that's targeted for the Rotary Grant, if we're able to get that grant. And no, this is not bad. Usually they shoot, they would have another uh, three-gallon bucket in their hands, you know. So those of you that have donated in the past year, um, this is the village we're hoping by, the, by November to have at least a pump in. We've signed the contract, and so, so this, we're in the process of... This Mundivu village... This uh, is Zimba district. There's a, there's a primary school, and there's also a secondary school there. Mm -hmm. The primary school has a, has a well that has uh, collapsed. collapsed. The secondary school has absolutely no water. Yeah. There are over 1,000 students. That's, that's, that is at the primary school, there's, there's more, more than 1,000 students. Not counting the secondary school students, the secondary school teachers, they all have to come to this collapsed well. Oh, but I want to tell you something really quick. Those students, I ask, what's the furthest that some of them have to walk to school every day? Now, mind you, this isn't a boarding school that this pump is at in this village. 12.4 um, miles one way is the longest that some of these children walk to school. That just boggles my mind. Can you imagine sending your five-year-old, your seven-year-old for a 12-mile walk by themselves? And let me tell you, Zambia has some really poisonous snakes. I don't know that I'd want to walk by myself for two miles, <laughs> or even a mile for that matter. Um, Simon D, we, they also have no rivers in this area thus making water even more of a priority. More challenging for them. Um, yeah, and, you know, when we met with these people, uh, there were about, uh, how many headmen were there? I think there were five There were about five different one. villages saying, if you, if you can get us clean water, we'll walk the distance. It, we, we don't care. All we want is clean water. Water that we are guaranteed it's going to be there, you know. The next closest um, well to the one that's collapsed at the primary school is almost 11 miles away. Um, and a quote I didn't put up here, but one of their, one of their quotes uh, was humble, humble request, we need water. Hey, you, you, you can imagine, you know, getting water from this, from this hole. Again, there was nobody there when we drove by. There's and, just those couple buckets sitting there. And after, and after so many picture. people have drawn water from that, it runs dry. They have to wait until water filters back in again. You know, they have to wait. You know, you go, you find there's no water. You have to sit for hours and hours. There, there are some pictures that you'll see there. We've already talked some about Kalika Lika. Um, if you go back a minute, well, I was trying to see. 
At Simundivui, that the previous slide, I, I met with a group of the women for a little while. The men uh, went to see where they wanted to put the pump at the secondary school. So I just sat there with a lady who could speak a little bit of English and um, talked with the group of women that had come out. And they say that they have to, to walk to their water source, be at one of those hand-dug um, wells at that point, two to three times a day is what they said that they do that. So a huge portion of their day is spent collecting water as well. And um, no offense to the men, but they said the men do not collect the water in Zambia, that it falls on them. And uh, same as at Kalikalika, where the women were also sharing how hard it is as they're getting older to try to get that water for themselves, or if they're a widow um, and older. Just very, very challenging and difficult. So we have, uh, we have talked about this village, Kalikalika village, you know, and this is, again, that's in the, in the riverbed. They have, dug that sand, you know. Uh, as soon as you walk away, the animals come and they bury it, you know. So again, you have to do it. So they have to be there, you know, early to make sure that they get water. And uh, those are the barrels that, you know, they lost, that barrel will last a family f for a couple of days. So they're walking uphill with those buckets too, by the way, up out of the riverbed. And if you look along the back where it looks like there's like tall grass back there, that's actually gardens. There are gardens down along this, this riverbed. And this, their gardens aren't close to their houses because so, of the lack of water. So I know Dr. Susan likes gardening. Can you imagine getting water and watering your garden? How long would it take to water your garden? I know it would take forever to water my garden, you know. But you think pulling a water hose pulling that Pulling a water far. hose to the garden, I complain about it. <laughs> you know, uh, so this is what they do. They fetch this water, go water their garden, and then fetch water, take home. Yeah, that's, uh, so one of the things, again, this area, um, dry riverbeds, I saw multiple. I have multiple pictures of those and no wells. So the families that are blessed to have oxen, Sometimes we'll use an ox cart with a couple of oxen attached to it to get their water. But what this village actually communicated is they use the oxen for that, and then when it's time to go use them for um, rainy for, or during um, for farming, for farming, and, uh, that the oxen are too tired. Because they have been. Imagine you can see oh, technology. You can see how dry it is. They have no grass, you know, and they are being overused throughout the whole, the whole dry season. When rain season comes, it's time to start plowing their fields. The, ox, the oxen can't function because they have been starved and they have been overworked during that time trying to use them to fetch water, trying to get those 50-gallon barrels at least to have... Well, there's not on, on the slides here, but on the um, slideshow, if you look, there's a, a place that was a little further down river we had gone as well, and there's two women, and I think there was a, a young man there, 
Um, and there's, they've got all these barrels. Their hole's not as deep as this one that this lady's sitting at. But they said they, they come, and what they have there in that picture is enough for two days. And there was at least one of those 50. Yeah, there were one of those, at least two but of But they those try 50. to go, and um, I think she said they spend, I forget how many hours she said now, but they try to draw enough for two days so that they only have to go every two days. Now, I want you to imagine trying to fill this 50-gallon with water from that. How long would it take to fill it up? And just another side note about um, Kalikalika Village. The hospital from them is over a four-hour drive. The health post is over five miles away, the closest health post. And again, they can't always get medicine when they go. And uh, this is the five-year-old girl that was fetching water right there. And that's... I think, she, I think she was about eight. Yeah, she, this, this girl was, was about Sedome. eight years old. Yeah. Okay. Um, picture in the, up, the upper corner there is the school at Seaman Devoy. If you were able to see it close, you would see the windows are broken. This is a government school. Um, the windows are broken. Classrooms don't have enough desks. I mean, there, there are lots of issues in these rural areas. And this guy here is saying that he's hungry. That's what we call a crocodile. You know? Uh, when we got there, there, you know, there were three of them. As I walked closer, the other, the other two decided they needed to get in so they can have uh, breakfast, you know. But I say that, you know, if you look here, you can see that's a, that's a cow, you know. People get water from there. They send their children, knowing that there's what? Knowing that there's crocodiles in there, they still send their children to to get water. So again, those of you that saw the Facebook post that said this is where she collects water for her family, this was in that water. This is that same, same dam. Just a little bit further down is where we found the picture of him. Um, just wanted to give you an idea of a couple of the churches while we were doing those community assessments for the wells. This is a church here. This is the church building where they meet. Yeah, so. And those logs, I don't know how well you can see it from your seat, but those are their seats. And another, I, I love this picture of the, this, the coming church, the upcoming, the next picture here, it's a beautiful picture of the church. That's their church building there. So just yeah. the, the bit of grass that's now falling down as well, and uh, the logs are the seats. And that's where, where they met today, earlier. So, um, getting toward the end here, ways that you guys can get involved with us is continuing to partner with us in prayer for what we're doing and for the Lord's direction and guidance. Oh, make donations. You know, you can go on our website. There's, uh, you know, uh, it will take you to a, don a donation platform. Yeah, and, uh, we're also in the every, process. Every little bit helps. Um, we're also in the process of creating uh, what we're going to call some partnerships, and so those will be coming to the website 
soon, and that would be where you agree to give a particular amount every month toward the work that we're doing. And then uh, other ways you can organize a fundraiser. You know, there are so many ways you can uh, organize fundraisers. So we'll also be updating the website with project, um, project updates, what's going on. If there's a particular village we're raising funding for, as we get some of that information, we will start putting that on the website. A lot of this trip was very much focused on doing community assessments for the grant we're trying to get, as well as um, trying to get one well in this year. And you can sign up for email. You know, you can get uh, news via email. You know, that will be coming soon. She's, uh, she's working on that, trying to get that going. In all of my free time. <laughs> um, and you can, if you have not checked out um, the Facebook page, you can do that and like and follow us on Facebook. Okay, God moments. We saved some of the most exciting things to the share. The most exciting things are these things here. Uh, where's Matt? Matt, do you remember the prayer you prayed before, the Sunday before we were leaving? We do. <laughs> we do. You prayed for smooth traveling, that everything will go according to God's plan. Okay, this is the beginning. Uh, Pastor Chris, bless his heart, he got to put up with our amount of luggage taking us to, <laughs> to the airport. You know, we had... Uh, My six, sister says you still got off easy, though. We had, uh, <laughs> we had, uh, we had six bags of luggage, correct? Not counting the carry-ons. No counting the carry-ons. And carry the backpacks. No, those are, you know, no Just six that. large suitcases. So we are allowed to have, uh, to, check, to check in. Each one of us is allowed to free luggage. The other two, we had to pay to get them. The other, yep. However, the miracle, Matt, the miracle started then. We get to Cleveland Airport, we check our bags. We were not charged for the other two bags. That's you know, never happened in all the trips we've traveled. That has never happened in all our travels. You know, God at hand, God at work. Well, and I think part of Matt's prayer as well specifically was uh, going through customs and that all of that would go smoothly. I've not ever really talked with Matt about how difficult it is for me with an insulin pump in medical to go through customs in foreign countries. It's very challenging. Was the smoothest trip coming and going that I have ever had. As we were getting close to Zambia, we found out one of our flights was going to be our flight from Lusaka to Livingston. Uh, we were going to have to be on a really tiny plane, and I'm reading the requirements that are coming in just a short time before we get ready to leave, and it's like you're not allowed to have a bag over seven pounds with you. It, can't, it, only, it can only be a backpack. Now, mind you, I have a, the largest carry-on that you can have, and it's primarily full of my medical because I can't find that stuff in Zambia. That bag's never out of our sight, poor Bornwell. When we're there, it's always in the vehicle. It's always traveling with us. 
It's not allowed to be in the belly of a plane because of the temperature. Um, and so I'm like starting to panic just a little bit before we get ready to board that flight. They told me I couldn't take it. We explained what it was. They're like, well, we still really aren't supposed to do this. Thankfully, it wasn't a full flight, and they allowed us to put that carry-on in a seat. Actually, they let us take both of them, because I'm like, well, we can take the um, lithium batteries out of his carry-on and put them in mine, if we can at least have mine. They decided not to make us do that because the flight wasn't full. They let us just put them in seats and have both of them with us. Again, Coming through, and going. Through all that, I see the hand of God. You know, I see God at work, and uh, you know, we were singing about God working even when, when we don't see, you know. And then uh, uh, we were sitting one, one evening having our dinner, and uh, me, being, uh, me being stupid, I engaged these people in a conversation, you know, while we are eating, and then we end up finding that this guy knows one of his workers is a, is a geologist, a hydrologist. You know, and that's, that's part of the piece that we, we have been looking for, is trying to find a geologist, uh, a geologist and a hydrologist. You know, so. Now, that particular meeting didn't provide much fruit. However, the next name on there with Muleya, that was someone who knew someone and said, hey, give this guy a call. He said, when he came to meet with us, he's like, I really didn't want to come meet with you. Um, but after meeting with us, he's now willing to work with the project. Um, you know, he's, he's willing to do the hydrology work for us, you know. And uh, so it, it, is, it is a blessing. He, he said at first, though, he's like, I just didn't even want to come. He's like, it's out of my way. It was going to cost him money to come. Um, but he said something just kept telling him he needed to come and meet with us. And uh, then uh, meeting with the provincial water supply and sanitation officer, this is usually a challenge to do that. You know, I called him one morning, you know, he said, well, come on over. You know, and he that, answered the phone himself. Yeah, and that's, and that's North Zambia. I always remind yeah. Bournemouth when we get to Zambia, it's time to hurry up and wait. So. You know, we'd, we drove over there. We met with him. Very, very helpful. Very helpful. You know, we got all the information that we needed mm -hmm. from him. You know, uh, part of some of the statistics that we shared, he provided that. You know, so, and uh, anything else on that? No, I, I'm ready to share about the tires for Simundivui. So, um, me, those of you who know me, I'm like overly cautious, and I'm like telling Bornwell, you know, we really should have a gas can in the car in case, because you drive four hours there and four hours back, there's not a gas station. There's not a restaurant, there's not somewhere to stop and, and do these things. So I'm like, we need to have gas in the car, we need to have an emergency kit. Did you check and make sure that the, the jack is in there? All of these did things. I drive check, him crazy. Did you check the spare tire? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
I, I tell her, you know, I, I, I checked, I made, I, and, I, and I did. I made sure there was a jack in there. Uh, the spare tire was nice and cool, you know. Uh, double checked all that. I, I assured her, I said, you don't have to worry about fuel. Fuel, we are good. We can go. Now, mind you, our gas gauge didn't work half the time we were there. You know. <laughs> so I assured her, we had, you know, because I had kind of figured out the distance, you know, by the time we get to MTAF, I had kind of figured out that distance. So I knew we were fine with that. Uh, however, uh, as we were traveling, you know, I noticed, you know, we stopped to help, to help some people that were kind of stranded in the middle of the road with their tractors. So we stopped. And I noticed one of the, one of the tire was low you know, had low pressure, I'm, and I'm thinking, ah, this doesn't look good. But, you know, we, we continued, and then we got, uh, oh. I don't know how much further it was. Probably about two, two hours or so away from, from town, and I said, we have a flat tire. Now, mind you, he's already checked. We have the jack, right? Everything's okay, we've got a spare tire. So I go to get the jack, put it under, got the rod, start cranking. The stupid thing isn't even moving. Someone took the good jack from the vehicle and switched it with a broken one. We had used it last year. It worked fine. We left it in the vehicle. Yeah. So here I'm scrambling. Then we pull over to a house. You know, We wait for someone to bring us a jack. They bring us a jack. and. Uh, you know, I start working, I start working on uh, taking the wheel off, you know. So I get all the lug nuts out except for one, you know, the special one, the one, you know. I'm telling you, I tried and tried and tried. I'm going, and, I, and I'm whispering, whispering prayers, you know, and she's, she's standing there, you know, praying. I don't think he believes me, but I was. You know, praying at the same time. I tried. I'm getting frustrated. He, I'm watching him. I'm seeing this thing start bending. That I, I'm probably going to rip this thing. It's going to break. So I stop. You know, and uh, she looks at me. She goes. Well, so, and actually, you didn't have all of them off. Well, they are loose. So... He, um, I, I'm praying, and I just feel the Lord say, Bornwall has to ask me. And so I say to him, have you prayed? And I think he, the look he gave me, I think he was a bit irritated. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, yes, I've prayed. And so I don't tell him about that little voice that, you know, I just keep praying. So, so next I, thing I know. I step away from that. Now, mind you, he's struggling to turn this. He is trying everything, and it, it is not moving. I can see the frustration. I was, I was thinking if I had a sledgehammer, you know what would have happened to that thing? So I continue whispering a prayer while I'm standing away with my arms crossed, and I'm so stinking mad. You know, I don't even want anyone to talk to me at that point. So I whisper a prayer again. I walk over, grab the, the wrench. I start to push. The thing just went. Whoosh. It came right off. 
Uh, and I was, I was kind of mad at God at that time. I, 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 really, I really was mad at him. I'm going, you watched me push and push, and then you wait until I'm angry, you know, and then you do this to me. And, and, you know, there was I, absolutely no effort no. when he went to turn that. It just, from him just, going to where he couldn't get it to move, it just went. And that's like, you just stand there and you just praise the Lord and you say thank you. You know, so. Because if that tire hadn't gotten off, I might still be stuck over there. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so that was one of the God moments. So we already shared with you meeting those women at the riverbed there at Kalika Lika. We also were able to meet with, uh, in order to get an international grant with Rotary, we have to meet, have a Rotary partner in country. So we were able to meet with um, the gentleman from the Livingston Rotary. Sorry, Josh is going to yell at me about this microphone. And then we also uh, met with a lady named Heather that we met for the first time in 2012 um, at, a, at a God moment at Victoria Falls. And we've kind of stayed in touch, but there are some connections there that we can share with some of you individually if you want to know. But we just saw the Lord's hand throughout the entire trip. And we but, thank you for your prayers. And, you know, I thought closing with this God moment would assure you guys that God is at work. He's always working. We Even should have done God is on the move. Yeah. And that's just contact information, so... And again, in closing, we've kept everybody a really long time. Uh, in closing, I really want to remind you. Matthew seven twelve says, "Do unto others as you would have them do unto you." You know. And again, when the when the children of Israel cried out, God heard them. And to cap it, to cap it, ladies and gentlemen, when I cried out to God to help me loosen that lagnet, what happened? He did it. He responded. You know. All I ask is, are you willing to partner with us to take this ride with us to answer God's call. The need is there. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Chris. I don't know. If it, we will be here if, if you any have of you questions, have questions yes. or if, if you want to look at any other pictures. I know it's gotten late. so. No, but this one's good. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, we thank you for born in Angela. We thank you for the way that uh, your faithfulness is to all generations. Lord, we thank you for the report. We thank you for opening our eyes to the needs around the world. We thank you for willing servants willing to go. Lord, uh, you are on the move. You are powerful, and you are at work around the world and even here in Coshocton, Ohio. Lord, that's been uh, evident, Lord, that you are God who answers prayer and you move. 
Lord, we, we ask that uh, you would bless the Matthew 7:12 project. Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you would move in our hearts and uh, uh, each church that is going to receive the, this update, Lord, that you would draw willing partners into the ministry, Lord, uh, to send water and the gospel uh, to Zambia, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would uh, restore health where it's needed for Bourne and Angela as they've kind of hit the ground running as they've gotten back. I pray for your endurance and stamina. And Lord, I pray that you would continue uh, to send us where you would have us, Lord, whether that be here in our town or around the world, and give us a posture and a willingness to say yes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.